Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. It's like I needed to accomplish what I wanted to do. And as a teenage girl, I wanted a TV in my bedroom. So I was going to make that happen. And so it was a means to an end for me. But then you kind of realize, hey, this is kind of fun to do. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. Hey, as I was mentioning in another personal spot, I had a conversation with a podcaster named Danny Miranda, and it We were talking about morning routines and how rigid morning routines can be and how if I don't do something in my morning routine, then I kind of feel like I failed my day. And so he suggested possibly shifting my mindset rather than a morning routine, thinking about stacking up happy moments. Like instead of making my bed being part of my morning routine, it's like just throughout the whole day, how can I stack up, you know, things that bring me joy, making my bed, having my mushroom tea, drinking my veggie shake, taking a walk around on the block like just kind of if I'm feeling like ugh like that ugh energy where your body starts to get heavy and your brain starts to feel like it's spinning out what are some happy activities like some joyous activities that I could stack up to shift my state so instead of it becoming this rigid routine it just becomes almost this game of like stacking up joyous moments I really love that shift in perspective and I think it's something that uh, I already started trying to do and it's just it takes the edge off of you know starting to like if you don't work out in the morning or if I don't work out in the morning being like oh man I missed my morning worked out everything's like falling apart but instead if I'm just like oh what are all the joyous moments that I could stack up today it shifts everything anyway enjoy the next episode welcome back 
to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest from Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Mara. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. So excited. First of all, you work with one of my favorite companies that just champions community globally. So it's very exciting. Fresh books. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Mara. I am the chief data officer here at FreshBooks. Um, and I love it. It's, um, you know, FreshBooks is one of the world's leading cloud accounting software solutions. And we are really built with business owners in mind, helping them manage their finances, billing, payments, engagement, you know, really with the vision of, of helping owners and small business owners succeed in, in this global ecosystem. You know, personally, I um I've been FreshBooks just for a year. I spent 10 years in telecom before that. I was a consultant before that. So sort of went on a, a roundabout journey to get here, but but super excited to be here now. And I love when you say that uh, FreshBooks really cares about the um, the business owner. For It's true. Like I, I was sharing with Mara, like off the record, that I've been at so many of the community events that FreshBooks has done around the world. And it's like really cool how dedicated they are to community and education and really empowering business owners to build their strongest businesses possible. It's just my little personal evangelism. But what I want to get into, first of all, data science is so cool. So when did you first become interested in technology? If I go real far back in time, you know, I, I have an engineering degree in applied mathematics and robotics and then got my MBA. Spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I really wanted to be when I grew up. And over the years, I think the reality is that I kept gravitating towards data to do my job, whatever that would have been when I was in marketing, when I was in IT, whatever it was, that became sort of the focus of, of what I did. And then, you know, one day you wake up and you realize, hey, like you could actually do it. That's, that could be your job. You know, I think it was more of a by accident thing that happened, but more of a, you know, really just from reflecting on how I've been successful in the past and what I thought I could do going forward and, and really owning that that role for for an entire organization is super exciting for me. And so, you know, I think I think a lot of it is is the path and being open to new experiences. You know, that being said, I always was interested in technology. I used to build things with my dad when I was growing up and and whatnot. So I always I always liked it, but I think it just took me a while to realize that that could actually be your job. Did your dad like welcome you into building things or did you proactively see it somewhere and then your dad, you know, empowered you to do so? I'm just curious. My dad was a huge influence as in me too. You know, I think my dad always was tinkering with stuff and I was the one who was, who was always interested in helping him out. I think it just started because I wanted to hang out with him and I, and, and I was really into it. You know, my older brother wasn't, he was, he was, he was more of into reading and doing his own thing. And, you know, I spent time with my dad building servers in the basement and all sorts of random stuff like that. I love how you like almost like that's like the afterthought of of like you're sharing about technology. Like, you know, kids don't build servers in the basement often, right? Like, you know, that's like very unusual and awesome. Yeah, well, maybe not full servers, like started building like TV systems or my, I, you know, I told my parents I wanted a TV in my bedroom. They're like, you can't have a TV in your bedroom. So I like, figured out how to make my computer stream the TV from the basement, right? It was all very practical. It was like I needed to accomplish what I wanted to do. And as a teenage girl, I wanted a TV in my bedroom. So I was going to make that happen. And so it was a means to an end for me. But you, then you kind of realize, hey, this is kind of fun to do. Do you happen to remember where you learned how to do it? Like, where did you go? Did you go to the library and grab books? It was at the internet. Like, how did you learn? I think it was early internet. 
and just reading, you know, things online, but very basic, like, I want to do this. What do I do? Is there a piece of software that can help me get there? Uh, but early internet days, I'd say. <laughs> For everyone listening, wanting to immerse themselves in technology, but feeling or even take themselves up another level, but feeling really like overwhelmed and daunted, like, like, you know, that frustrating feeling like, oh my God, I can't figure this out. Like, I don't know if I can get there. I don't know if I'm smart enough or whatever the self-limiting belief is. What kind of guidance would you give someone in that particular moment? Yeah. I mean, I think generally when you have that feeling, it's because you're, you're taking on too much. So like my approach was always like, pick a really small problem and use it as an opportunity to do something big. So, you know, when I was in consulting, I had a job and one of my jobs is I had to produce these like PowerPoint slides and I had to do like 50 of them a week and they were manual. And I, I never learned how to make a database before. And I decided like, oh, maybe like there's this, you know, it was very basic. It was like a Microsoft access database, but I was like, okay, cool. This is a skill I can learn and it's going to help me do my job faster. If I could put this in a database and then make that make the PowerPoint slides, that would be faster for me. So a lot of the times it's about picking a very narrow, specific problem and going and solving that. And then you can take those skills that you've learned and you can expand them into other things. But I find sometimes if like you wake up one day, you're like, I want to code. You're like, okay, well, where do I start? Pick a thing, just anything, something that you're interested in, work-related, interest-related, whatever it might be. Just pick something that you're excited to solve and, 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 and make sure you've got a end, an end so you can like wake up and not too long and say like, yay, I did it. That's awesome, right? And you know, a cool idea, I would think, I haven't seen someone do this before, but I'm sure it's been done, is even if you post it on your social media, to your Instagram, to your Twitter, to your Facebook, whatever you use, and say, I want to learn how to code, I want to build something, do you have a project in mind? Let me tell you, there's a whole world of people looking for you. <laughs> I know with developers, when they are learning and experimenting, they want their projects to actually like see the light of day, not just be dormant. So it's a great way to have a project that someone will then market and utilize so you could see how your technology works in action. 100%. And sometimes it's also just about doing something like simple for yourself. I had a data scientist who was phenomenal, who worked for me. He had a problem where he had a girlfriend, he was spending some time with her. His plants were dying, so he built like a system to water his plants. And so again, it could be anything that could be of use to you or not, but just like, it's a really cool idea. Say, hey, he wanted to learn how to build something, so he figured it out and he designed a system to water his plants automatically. So if you spent a couple of days at his girlfriend's house, you didn't have to worry. So sometimes it's just about breaking down a simple thing in your own house that is fun to, fun to explore. What would you say is a piece of advice that's like really stuck with you throughout your career that's helped advance you forward? I think the reality is, I think the piece of advice that I've taken is don't worry about the job title, make the job your own. And so, you know, classic example for me, I've done it a bunch of times. Actually, the example I just told you was after I automated making all those PowerPoint presentations, I got a whole bunch of other fun work to do. So I took my super boring job and I compartmentalized it to 10% of my job. And then I got to do other fun things that that I could dictate a little bit more with the rest of my time. But, you know, interestingly enough, when I was still in telco, I was like on the cusp of getting promoted and, you know, to director, which is like, it was a big jump for me at the time. And, you know, my boss had said, you know, Mara, like, what are you interested in doing? You know, if you're to get promoted, what? And I, I kind of said, there was this, the girl who sat beside him in the office beside him. And I said, like, I would never want that person's job, like any job, but that job. 
course, you know, four months later, she decides to move on to another department. I get a call. They're like, hey, Mara, this job's available. I'm like, sign me up. Okay, here we go. And you know what? Like, again, were there parts of it that that I love? 100%. Were there parts of it that weren't my favorite? Yeah. But, you know, it's about saying, okay, well, maybe then I can redefine how we do this job and, and make it my own. I mean, you have to be careful because when I say that, it's not saying that you can't do the job. You have you have your deliverables. You have your objectives. But any job you can do, as long as you think outside the box and be creative, you can make it whatever you want to be. Sort of once you nail and, and and get really good at sort of the core of of the role that you have to play. Let's walk down the path of uh, your professional path of how you went from like growing up interested in tech and then how you got your first job and eventually ended up where you are today. What were the beginning levels? What you studied in college and your if you took internships and stuff like that? I have a degree in engineering and applied mathematics and chemical engineering, which is really like a degree in process engineering. And so um, I was interviewing for engineering jobs, coming out of school. I had no clue what I wanted to be. Uh, I actually really wanted to go into fine art and university, but I decided that an engineering degree would probably get me further. So I decided to do that and keep art as a hobby. Anyway, so I'm, I'm applying for jobs. I'm in a final round interview with the Procter & Gamble, always maxi pad facility in Belleville, Ontario. For those of you who don't know Canada, it is a small town somewhere in between Toronto and Montreal, but quarter of the way, you know, closer to Toronto. This is the job that you get when you're a process engineer. You are going to be, you know, designing and manufacturing always maxi pads, like for a massive company. And I went home after the interview. I looked at my parents, looked at myself and I was like, is this going to be my life? Like, is this really what I'm going to do? Am I going to design maxi pads? And I said, like, absolutely not. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I was meant for. Um, anyways, and so I spent uh, a little bit of time soul searching and I applied for a job in consulting. I got that. And and I really went into it with a very open-minded approach. When you sort of start a consulting firm as a junior person, you sort of get put in a pool of analysts and you get shipped away to do whatever project is important. Every single person who uh, was in my start group at the time, so it's like, you know, the, the cohort of people that you go through training with was like, this is exactly the job I want. This is exactly the job I want. And I very, took very much of like, a, well, I haven't done any of these jobs, so I'm going to learn something no matter what I do. And I'll just do what I wanted. And I got put on a telco project that was like a testing job, which is like, if like, this is the totem pole, you're like underneath the lowest person on the totem pole. Cause you're just like spending all day checking if, if the software that was designed is operating as, as, as it was, but it was the best job I ever had because four weeks later or six weeks later, the project sort of finished and there was a new phase kicking up. Fast forward six months, I'm helping sort of redefine our, you know, network strategy. I'm on the phone with telecommunication companies in the US and Australia. I got to go to Rome to help think about our corporate strategy of how we were thinking about telco and IPTV. You know, and then again, then I, I, I ended up on another project one day and the the partner was like, Mari, you need to calculate an NPV and that present value. And I'm like, wow, that is. But Excel has a calculation to do that. And I sort of woke up and I was like, well, maybe I should go learn about this business stuff. So then I went back and I got, I got an engineering degree, graduated in 2009, sort of right at, at the downturn of not great time to look for a job. So I ended up going back to consulting. And, and after that, I sort of said to myself, you know, Mara, like, you spent a lot of time in consulting. You spent a lot of time helping other companies. And I really wanted to go and work for a company that I could live with the results. I could understand. I could sort of dig in and move forward. And, and I joined uh, Canada's largest teleco telecommunications company. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, when I, you know, when I moved that, I, you know, it was a pay cut. 
but I, I really said to myself, like, I think this is the right decision going forward. And so, you know, my perspective on, on all of this is, is that like a lot of people right now are looking at, okay, is this job going to be a promotion? Is it going to be, am I going to make more money? And, and a lot of times more money is like, oh, I'm going to make $5,000, $10,000 more. And the advice I like to give when I look at my own career is like, if you're looking at the one year salary, you're looking at it wrong because your one year salary outlook, because you're going to jump from job to job, is very different than looking at the, well, how does this position me in the long term and, and how am I, and how am I going to do that? And so, you know, all the jumps I've made and, and, and all the twists and turns have all sort of been around saying, do I feel like I'm moving forward and do I feel like I have a path to do something awesome? And how did you end up discovering FreshBooks? So I've been at Intelco for 10 years. Actually, the Mike, the founder, reached out to me actually a couple of years ago about a job in marketing. Funnily enough, I'd spent quite a bit of time at Intelco in marketing and, and, and loyalty and retention and subscription service. And, and I said to him, like, I, you do not want me to be your head of marketing. I've got marketing experience, but that, that's not my thing. I love it, but I'm really into this data thing that I'm doing now. And I love my job. And I don't want to leave. Anyways, we stayed in touch over a couple of years. And then FreshBooks decided to make a, a, a decent investment on the data side. And so that was when we spent a lot of time talking about what that could look like and, and, and what joining FreshBooks could mean. I think that, you know, it was, it was very much for me about going to do something different than about leaving. Like I loved what I was doing. I loved my job, but I really was super excited about the vision, the mission and, and what that could mean for, for my career. And as I sort of thought going forward, I think getting into, into the tech space with the background that I have and, and, and interests that I have, I, I thought was a really good mix. You know, I think there's a bit of pandemic piece in there too. You know, I switched jobs in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, wow. You know, for the record, I, I, when I accepted the job, my kids were in full-time school. By the time I started, they were back at home, uh, you know, up here in Ontario, we, we had the longest school closure of anywhere. So, you know, nothing like starting a job with two children running around and, and all that kind of stuff. But the support that I got in doing that, um, and understanding was was exceptional. So what does your day-to-day look like now? I mean, I know you're at home working remotely, but just this activities you're working on, not your physical day-to-day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I get up and I walk downstairs and get my kids to school. I come to my, back out of my basement. But, you know, for me, it's actually right now, we're we're in the part of the journey where we're still, you know, we're building. So it's a lot of meetings, level setting. You know, if I kind of look at my day, I'd say it's 60 to 70% meetings. I'd say 20% time to like get work done. And 10% I'd say is ad hoc and, you know, not meetings, but just, you know, picking up the phone, calling people, tying off loose ends, thinking about, you know, how we're going to move things forward, you know, just making sure that there's a lot of alignment as, as, as we build. And so I'd say a decent amount of time is spent on the screen in, in Zoom. Actually, the other day, someone said, Mara, do you want to just call me on the phone? And I'll be honest, it was the best meeting I had had in ages because you could listen and you you actually focus a little bit differently than dealing with all the screen and everything else. I put in my meeting notes, no video. Like, I don't understand when we just decided that 100% time on video was like an okay thing. There's no need to like stare at someone like, like your eyes bugged out at a Zoom screen. So yeah, I, I'm, on, I'm on team audio too. <laughs> and what would you say is a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? I don't like saying that having children is an obstacle, but I do think that 
sort of, you know, when I look around at the table at, at who's with me, um, the challenges that you face are a little bit different. And I'll say that actually, it's not just true now. It's been true since, you know, I remember my first job back was I was helping and uh, we go, we meet the client who's the president or whatever he was of, of the company, the senior guy. And he said, oh, well, you're intern. And they're like, she's not an intern. She actually works here. I remember debating if I should get myself glasses to make myself look older, if I should cut my hair short. And so for me, it was just about a credibility thing, I think, that I had to deal with, especially when I was younger. I think now that I'm older, it's a little bit different. But, um, you know, when I was younger, I remember going to the airport for a business trip and the person asked if my parents had consented to me leaving. I was like, I'm over 18. You have my passport. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm allowed to travel on my own. And so I, I actually just think there's a bit of a credibility piece that, that that you need to sort of step up with. And And I actually struggled a lot with like, do I change the way I look? to help myself go forward. And I, I was very uncomfortable with that. Uh, so I didn't, but um, that was actually a big one for me when I was younger, just sort of figuring out how to stand on my own two feet. A hundred percent. Do you have any kind of belief systems that you live by that kind of go against what the norm is? So the one thing that, that I always struggled with was that um, I don't believe in a five-year plan. And um, that's not to say that I don't believe in, you know, having aspirations and ambitions. But, you know, if you think about the world we live in, um, nobody could have told me where I was going to be in five years. And I don't think I would have, even if I picked something, I would have been wrong. And, and, and then I would have felt like I failed. My perspective is generally like, feel like you're moving forward and learning something new and moving in the direction you want to go to. And then, and then what I do like to do is instead of saying like, where do I want to be in five years? I like to say to myself, if I were to look forward would I be happy with my decisions? Like, is that, is that the story I want to tell for myself? Right. There's all these, these like, you know, quotes you're going to read, which is like, nobody talks about your job and your funeral and those kinds of things. But, you know, it's really about the story that you want to be telling yourself. And even when I actually made the decision to join FreshBooks, like it wasn't because I wanted to leave my company, but I sort of woke up one day and I said, okay, do I want to be in my fifties and have been at the same company for 25 years? Like, that's really cool, but it, it didn't feel like my life story. And so that was an opportunity for me to say, okay, so maybe it's time to make a change. I think the other thing too, is that um, it never feels like the right time to change anything. You're always in the middle of something, you're always busy. And so it's a, it's a nice way to sort of break the cycle of saying, if I keep doing this, am I, am, am I going to stay where I am? But I sometimes think that pinking an endpoint uh, pigeonholes yourself to something that you might not like, because you really don't know what that means. And so I'm all about picking a direction, being comfortable that you're moving forward in whatever way forward means for you. And then pausing and looking back and saying, you know, is this the story I want to, I, I want to have for myself as, as I move forward in my career. I like, do you know, I actually really needed to hear that. I don't know why, but the way that you said it, the way that you said it made me also take it in a, a level. Like when you said, I don't remember how you said it, but like a better success metric is to like, look back and say, am I happy with the way, how did you say it? Am I happy with the way I invested? How, you said it so perfectly. Yeah. Like I, th I think it's about, it's, when you look backwards, I think it's about saying, you know, is this the story I want to tell? Is this, is is this, this the story, story I, I want, want to tell? tell about me? Is, this, is this what I want for my life? Is this what I want my story to have been? And I don't think we, I think we spend so much time in the moment that you want to wake up one day and say like, did I live the life that I that I valued? And I think it's so hard to do that when you're in the details because every day feels important we've got things to do, we've got errands to run, we've got tasks to accomplish. 
But all of those tasks might not end up to the story that we want to be telling ourselves. You know, a lot of the times, you know, really good authors say they write the end of the book before they write the beginning. And so, you know, make sure you're thinking about your end a little bit as you as you move forward. So when you said that, is this the story I want to tell? What came into my mind, so especially with the pandemic, I, I think all of us have been kind of like reflecting on how we've spent our lives in general. I don't think that's just exclusive to me. And I've definitely been thinking about it a lot. And I like I have all these accolades. I, I built the first action sports social network. I've raised money from venture capitalists. I've done all these things. But the thing that actually makes me feel like, is this the story I want to tell is how much I've traveled the world. It's actually nothing to do with all these like businessy things, which is so funny because the majority of my attention is on these businessy things. But like when I'm looking back on this, the story that I'm really proud of, I'm like, that I got to go to the little small town in, you know, Bosnia or that I drove a car across, you know, like, you know, uh, across, you know, um, Eastern Canada, like, like these are the stories. And for some reason, when you said that, I've been really hung up lately on the, um, the frustration between like, you were talking about social media a little bit earlier about you need to get more on social media. I'm like, no, please don't. It doesn't lead to a happy life. you know. <laughs> and so I've been thinking about how caught up like I've been in, like, authentically, I don't want to care about social, but then I feel like I have to care about social and I feel really torn. And when you just said, what's the story you want to tell? I'm like, I can tell you with a thousand percent confidence my story has nothing to do with my follower counts, like zero. And I really think that what happens often is that, you know, when people are like, I've seen it a million times where somebody's happy in their job, but their friend got promoted. So then all of a sudden they want to get promoted. And I'm like, but that's not what you really wanted. And I think with social and I'm not saying that for, for the history of time, people have been comparing themselves to their peers. There's just so many more ways to do that. Now you see the person that you went to business school with got a promotion on LinkedIn. And sometimes it's about saying like, I didn't fail because I didn't move my career at the same pace because you want to what all the things that aren't part of your career aren't on LinkedIn. And so, and so I do think that really pausing and saying, what is my authentic story outside of what my metrics look like is so important in how we think about how we want to live our lives and the decisions that we make that are truly going to make us happy. I love that. I'm so glad you said it. I feel like I want to start every day when I wake up now with what is the story that I want to tell? Where can people best connect with you? LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm working on my social profile right now, but I, uh, I'm not quite there yet. But LinkedIn is by far the best way to get a hold of me. And stay off of social. No, LinkedIn is just fine. No need to be on any other social network. Can you spell your name for everybody so they can find you on LinkedIn? Sure. It's Mara, M-A-R-A space Rafe, R-E-I-F-F, like French fry. Other than FreshBooks, of course, what is your favorite software or mobile app, website? My video doorbell is my favorite. Um, I, I love knowing when my packages arrive. I love knowing when my kids get home. Maybe it's like my, I like just to know what's going on all the time, but I actually feel, I love knowing what's happening at my front door. It, it provides me a lot of comfort for whatever it's worth. I'm away. If I'm out and the doorbell rings, I want to know. I agree. I have that as well. Gives me a lot of peace of mind, especially in today's day and age. What book 
is your go-to that you would recommend to us for personal or professional or both? The one that I actually read most recently that I really liked, it's not a new one, but I loved Thinking Fast and Slow. I love any book that really talks about how your brain works and why you do what you do, because so much of what we do is automatic. And I really think that when you understand why your brain functions the way it does, it allows you to pause and take a step back and just rethink your own framework. So I like all books in that genre. And I'd say Thinking Fast and Slow is the one that I've read most recently. So I'm going to go with that one. I dig it. Thinking fast and slow. Anything else you wanted to share with us before we wrap up? You know, you talked about my career and how I got where I am. And, um, you know, one thing that I talk to people a lot about is, is not being so worried about, you know, the promotion and about the matrix to get there. Um, and, and, and how you, you know, and rushing for that promotion because, you know, companies are pretty flat these days. So if you think about it, it's like there's five levels to get to the CEO in most companies, maybe six, you know, so don't be in a rush because you want to make sure you've learned everything at the level that you are, because you can't go learn those skills once you've been promoted. So, so I think that that's really important. If there's younger people listening and you're like worried because your friend got promoted in 18 months and you're on the two year or three year path, like take your time, learn what you need to do because investments that you make in the younger part of your career will pay off in spades as you get more senior I look at my career path, I spent more time at the more junior levels. And as I excelled, I actually moved through the more senior levels more quickly. But I think that's just fundamentally because I had the foundation underneath me. That's like just one piece of advice I like to throw out there as you're thinking about your career in technology. Don't worry about how fast you're moving. Just make sure you're moving forward. I love that suggestion. You know, one thing I feel like we didn't really touch on too much, which is okay, but I just want to make it known is... FreshBooks isn't just for large businesses. It's it's from anyone from an independent freelancer to at every stage that you're growing in your company. You don't know this, but I discovered FreshBooks at South by Southwest in a like startup room. FreshBooks was just a few member, like I don't know, three or four teammates with an idea, and they were teaming up with these other like really cool companies that have since become super huge as well. But it was weird. I was just in the journalism room with these startups who had a dream. <laughs> and I feel like FreshBooks really like embraces their early journey to support others pursuing their dreams now. And so for sure, um, for sure, check it out. It's a company that I think has an incredible community culture. And so I, I wish more companies had incredible community cultures, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty special place. I'm not going to lie. You know, just the way we we bring people on, we're customer obsessed. They like, you know, I think is the official phrase, you know, everybody, myself included, when you start at FreshBooks, you have to go and talk to our customers and work in support so that you really understand what our customers need and how to help them and you understand what they're going through. Um, it's a huge part of our of our values. And and I think it actually, it sets the tone and the foundation for how how we operate and how we deliver everything that we do. It's pretty cool. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com for the community. And say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Mara Rafe. Chief Data Officer at FreshBooks, one of the world's leading cloud accounting software solutions based in Toronto, Canada, and you're listening to Women in Tech.
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.